Let us turn in God's Word this morning to James chapter 3. James 3. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of, of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and that it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Thus far we read God's holy and an errant word. May God add his blessing upon the reading of his holy scriptures. The text is verses 14 through the end of the chapter. We'll be focusing especially on verses 17 and 18. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. 
and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we were to consider where it is that we need wise people, we could come up with many different categories where we would be benefited by having wise people there. We think of where wisdom is needed. We oftentimes think of office bearers, elders, deacons, and ministers who need wisdom, and we pray accordingly. When we think of who needs wisdom, we think of teachers. We think of school boards who rule over the schools. When we think of who would be benefited by having much wisdom, we might think of the civil magistrate. If only we had more wisdom in politics. Wisdom given to the leaders of the state or of the nation. We could come up with many different categories where wisdom is needed. But before we look at any of those categories where wisdom is needed, and this is not to deny the need for wisdom in those categories, we do need wise office bearers, wise teachers, school board members, wise leaders in the state. Before we look, though, at our need for wisdom there, there is a more fundamental place where wisdom is needed. Who needs wisdom? Where does wisdom begin? It's in the home with mother and with father. That's where wisdom is needed. That's what the church urgently needs. Wise fathers and wise mothers. Lacking wisdom in the home, the other categories that we mentioned will not be able to undo the problems that arise out of the home. If father and mother do not have wisdom and do not raise their children up in a wise way, the elders will not be able to fix the problems that started in the home. The school with the teachers and the school board will not be able to fix the lack of wisdom in the home. And the state certainly will not be able to remedy the void of wisdom in the home. We need wise mothers and wise fathers. Let's consider this text then this morning under the theme, Wisdom from Above. First, we'll consider what it is. Second, the seeking of it. And then third, the fruit of it. This text speaks of two different types 
of wisdom. They are a verse one to another quite different from each other. The one wisdom is earthly. Verse 15, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. But then contrasted with that is, verse 17, the wisdom that is from above. The wisdom that is from above is, first of all, a pure wisdom. Now, before we consider this idea of purity, let's understand generally the idea of wisdom. Wisdom is different than knowledge. There can be a person who has a head filled with facts, a person who is very studious, but who lacks wisdom. Because wisdom goes beyond knowledge. Wisdom is the right application of knowledge to the day-to-day circumstances of our lives. That's wisdom. Wisdom is being able to do the best thing at the best time and the best possible way for the best possible goal. That's wisdom. The highest goal that there is for the child of God upon this earth is the glory of God. And so the wise person is the person who is motivated to do everything that he or she does for the glory of God. The application of knowledge. How much wisdom is not needed in the home? Countless decisions that parents must make. The application of knowledge to this particular circumstance. As children get older, the decisions that must be made and the guidance that must be given by parents becomes more and more complicated. How do we advise our young person with regard to dating? How do we advise our young person in the home with regard to the future of their education? But wisdom ought not to be confined just to those large decisions that are made in life with regard to dating and with regard to education. But wisdom is needed by parents in the countless little, call them little, little decisions that are made throughout the course of a day. A child is upset. How does mother respond when the child is upset? Wisdom is needed. The child has spilled the milk again. Now how will father respond when the child spills the milk for the umpteenth time? Wisdom. The wisdom that is from above is described here as being pure. The wisdom that is from above is first pure. The idea of purity is that of cleanliness. How much of a mother's time is not occupied with striving for cleanliness? As she cleans the home, as she bathes the children, as she cleans up the table after the meal is finished, washes the clothing, and then does that again and again and again 
cleanliness. But this text is not speaking here of physical cleanliness, the cleanliness of the home or the cleanliness of the people in the home. This text speaks of an inner cleanliness. It's a cleanliness of one's character. Wisdom that is from above is a purity in one's in one's heart and in one's soul. It's a purity that comes from Jesus Christ himself. Purity means that one is devoted unto that which is good. And Jesus, as the Son of God, was devoted unto God, who is good and only good. And as Jesus then laid down his life at the cross, he showed perfect purity, devotion unto the will of the Father. And now Jesus Christ, by his Holy Spirit, gives unto his people purity. How important then that we live out of that purity from Jesus Christ. Are we as parents pure in what we look at on the television? and other electronic devices, purity. Titus 2 verse 5 describes the young woman using the same word translated in this text as pure. The young woman is to be discreet, chaste. It's the same word here as pure. Discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Purity, it's a heart that yearns for and is fixed upon Jehovah God. And then the wisdom that is from above is described in this text as being peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. These three different words speak of how we are to live in relationships with others upon this earth. We are to be peacemakers. Peaceable, first of all. A peaceable person is the one who seeks unity and not conflict. The peaceable individual is the person who understands that Conflict happens so easily and arises so naturally in the home and in the church. And so that individual does not take that peace and unity for granted, but the peaceable individual yearns for, prays for peace in the home and in the church. Gentle, gentle, gentle and easy to be entreated are very closely related one to another. But there's a way that we can distinguish between what it means to be gentle and what it means to be easy to be entreated. And the way they can be distinguished is with a down arrow and with an up arrow. To be gentle speaks of the relationship that we have with those who are beneath us. To be easy to be entreated speaks of the relationship that we have with those who are 
above us. Gentle. How do we interact with those who are beneath us? Those who are under our authority. It's well known that power can corrupt individuals. And as some evaluate the condition of the state and the politicians who serve in the state, they will speak at length about the corruption that has come over the leaders of the state, how power has corrupted them. And they might not be wrong in that assessment, but what about ourselves? As God has put us as parents in a position of power over our children, have we in any way abused or corrupted that power? The gentle person, the gentle mother, is one who does not insist upon her rights and demand that she is going to get this or that. But she yields even to those who are underneath of her authority out of love for them. Gentle. The gentle father does not provoke his children to wrath by giving unto them punishments which are too severe for the crime which has been committed. Gentle. And then easy to be entreated. Again, that speaks now of our relationship with those who are above us. How do mom and dad interact with authority figures in the church and in the state? You know how important this is for us as parents? Here's the importance of it, your children will learn from you how to submit to authority figures. Your children are watching you. And if parents insist to their children, you must submit, you must obey, honor father and mother, but then father and mother turn around and are continually testing authority themselves, are continually speaking down of those who are in authority, then the children will learn not so much from what the parents say, but from what the parents do. How do you interact with those who are in authority? Easy to be entreated means that one is submissive as as an attitude of honoring those who are in authority not constantly belittling the office bearers in the church not openly criticizing the decisions of those whom God has put in authority but easy to be entreated wisdom. Well, the world won't tell you that's wisdom. The world has a different sort of wisdom. 
World wisdom is insist on your rights. World's wisdom is be strong, stand up for yourself. The world's wisdom is you don't need to be a peacemaker. You don't need to be easy to be entreated. They will even make accusations against you that that's an indication of weakness in you if you are gentle and easy to be entreated. But that's not the word of God. This is wisdom that is from above. It's being gentle. It's being peaceable. It's being easy to be entreated. And then the the writer describes wisdom this way at the end of verse 17. Wisdom that comes from above is without partiality and without hypocrisy. How important this is for parents as they rear up their children to treat their children without hypocrisy and without partiality. Partiality, basic idea of that word is without wrangling. Uh, Positively, it's to be consistent in the way in which, which one rears up their children. Children are very good at picking up inconsistencies of parents. And children though they ought not to do that, yet they keep a mental list of ways in which mom and dad treated them unfairly. Times in which mom and dad showed partiality to this child, but did not show partiality to them. Without hypocrisy, the inspired writer speaks of. Hypocrisy has the idea of pulling a veil over one's face. The hypocrite is one who at certain occasions and certain times pulls a veil over their face so that their genuine character does not come through. Parents, are we consistent in the way in which we behave in front of our children? Again, they're very discerning. They pick up on inconsistencies in mother. When mother behaves one way in church and then mother behaves a different way in the grocery store, And then mother puts on a different veil over her face when she's in the home. That's not wisdom. The wisdom that is from above is without partiality and without hypocrisy. Rebecca, the wife of Isaac, struggled in this regard. Remember Rebecca came up with a plan to have her favored son, Jacob, receive the birthright blessing. She was partial to Jacob. And she did not trust that God would be able to bless Jacob and not Esau. So she came up with this ingenious plan of deceiving her own husband. She had Jacob dressed up as if he were Esau and brought food unto Isaac so that Jacob would receive the birthright blessing. Initially, Rebekah received what she wanted. Jacob got the birthright blessing. But in the long run, she lost 
because immediately after Esau figured out what had happened, Esau was so filled with wrath that he was going to go kill Jacob. And Jacob had to flee to Uncle Laban in order to spare his own life. That's what happens when parents show partiality to their children. It creates envy and bitterness from one child to the next child. The wisdom that is from above is without partiality, without hypocrisy. Do we desire this heavenly wisdom? Do we seek it? There is an alternative, you understand, and the alternative is far easier than seeking this heavenly wisdom as parents. The alternative is seeking and living with earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom, according to verse 15, descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. This earthly wisdom appeals to the flesh of parents. It's easier for parents to have this sort of earthly wisdom. It does not demand of you that you be consistent in using the rod when your child misbehaves. It means that parents can live self-centered lives, seeking and pursuing their own ambitions and goals instead of living in such a way that shows that they have an earnest desire to rear this child up in the fear and knowledge of Jehovah God. Perhaps one imagines, well, maybe I can have some of both. Maybe I can have some earthly wisdom that would guide me, but then also at the same time, I'll hold on with my other hand to some heavenly wisdom. But the context makes clear here that that cannot be the case. It is an either-or. Either one has heavenly wisdom and clings to heavenly wisdom, or one has earthly wisdom and clings to earthly wisdom. Verse 11. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? either of vine figs, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. The effect of these questions is they demonstrate the impossibility of simultaneously seeking both earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. And so we do well then to be reminded of the problems that come with this earthly wisdom. Verse 16 gives the warning of, about this earthly wisdom. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. When parents do not seek this heavenly wisdom, then the, parent, then the children grow up confused and filled with every evil work. One might wonder why it is that in the world, there is so much confusion to be found. 
even confusion with regard to one's gender and confusion with regard to one's sexual desires. Where does it come from? It comes from earthly wisdom. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. The regenerated parent confesses, I want heavenly wisdom. I see the dangers that come with earthly wisdom and I seek this wisdom that comes from above. Where ought we to seek for this wisdom? The text tells us that this wisdom comes from above. That it comes from above means that we ought not to seek for and will not find this wisdom naturally in our children or in our children's children. We mustn't treat our children as if they by nature have this heavenly wisdom. Some parents will treat their children in that way. It's as if their children can do no wrong. They will not admit of the faults of their children when anyone speaks to them about the behavior, the misconduct of their children, then the parents will immediately become defensive, upset, that someone would dare to talk to them about the behavior of their children. Our children do not naturally have heavenly wisdom. Our children, by nature, have earthly wisdom, which is sensual and which is devilish. In addition, that this wisdom comes from above means that we will not find this sort of wisdom in the world, (laughs) simply leaving the children to their own devices and allowing the children to be instructed by the world will not result in them gaining this wisdom through media, through entertainment, through the internet. Our children will never learn this wisdom. But the text emphasizes this wisdom is from above. This means that this wisdom has its source in God himself. This reveals unto us that God is pure, that God is the one who is peaceable, gentle, full of mercy and good fruits. And so will one seek this wisdom in his home? Will a father be earnest in desiring to be that pure father? Does the mother strive to be gentle and easy to be entreated? Then let us look, beloved, not to the things of this earth, but let us look up for that wisdom. And how do we look up for that wisdom that comes from above, it means that we are oftentimes in the word of the Lord. It means that we believe that this word is alive, that this word is powerful, 
that this word is the revelation of God himself. It means that we believe that this word is not just an old, dusty, dry document from many, many years ago, but it means we believe that this word has application for the present circumstances of our lives. One who seeks wisdom from above has a regular intake of the word of God. And then how do we seek this wisdom from above? By prayer. By praying earnestly that God would give unto us as parents wisdom. Consider the example of Job, who rose up early in the morning and offered sacrifices unto God in case his children had sinned. Fathers and mothers, are we praying for our children? Praying for them when they go out on Friday night? Praying for them as they go off to school. Praying that if they have sinned, and we know they have, that God would deal with them. Not according to how they deserve to be dealt, but that God would deal with them in love and in mercy. The fruit of seeking this sort of wisdom is that God gives unto us to be full of mercy and of good fruits. The wise person is the merciful person. The wise, merciful individual shows pity to those who are in distress. And how often is it not the case that our children are in distress? From their youth, children learn that mother and father are merciful to them in their distresses. A child falls and scrapes his knee. And where does the child run as the tears roll down his cheeks, he runs to mother because he knows that mother is merciful. She will deal with him gently. She will understand and empathize with him. And she will help soothe him in his distress. Mothers are created by God in such a way that they are and become more so merciful. As God works in them through their lives, God shapes mothers more and more to be full of mercy toward their children. The way in which God shapes mothers to be merciful toward their children is through trials that God puts in the pathway of the mother. That's why mom is able to understand 
and empathize with the pain of the child. Because mother knows pain. She knows distress. She knows the pain not only of childbearing, but the pain also of child-rearing. The mother lives with the acute sense of the knowledge of God's words in Genesis chapter 3, speaking to Eve in the garden, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow in thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children uniquely prepared by God for the many difficulties of parenting. God is pleased to use the mother to be full of mercy toward her children. And the text goes on, full of good works. That it's in the plural indicates that it's all different sorts of good works that characterize the wise mother and the wise father. This wise individual has love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and meekness. The wise mother is the one who is the industrious mother, according to Proverbs 31. She rises up early while it is yet dark, and she cares for the occupants of her home. But especially what is the fruit that comes forth from wise parents? It's peace. Peace. Verse 18, And the fruit of righteousness, the fruit that comes from righteousness, is sown in peace of them that make peace. Beautiful figure is used here. It's that of a farmer who's going out into the field and he's going to plant seeds in the field. And then at the end of the, in the fall time, he's going to gather the fruit from the, har the harvest. But what is it here that this farmer is planting? He's planting righteousness. The fruit of righteousness is sown as father and mother live in a righteous way before their children. God uses that to sow seeds. It is sown in peace of them that make peace. It goes from peace to more peace. May God so give to us as parents that wisdom that is from above that we might sow righteousness in our homes. Amen. Our Father and our God in heaven, 
Wilt thou deal with us gently and according to thy love? Wilt thou grant unto us thy Holy Spirit in great measure and graciously pardon whatever was done or said in sin and keep us in thy care? For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.